Columbia Pictures presents I may be having a problem. Bill Murray. I'm reliving the same day over and over. In a story about a weatherman who's living life like there's no tomorrow. Don't drive angry because there isn't. I am an immortal. I have been stabbed, shot, frozen, electrocuted. You're God. I'm a God. I'm not the God. Groundhog Day, rated PG, at Theaters Friday. Welcome back to the podcast. You are listening to Old Millennials Remember Movies. I am your host, Angela Yoshiko, here with my co-host, Tyler Wilson. Hello. Today we are talking about a beloved movie that Tyler's afraid to talk about, and we will talk about that in a little bit. But before we get started, we're going to kick off with our typical segment of What You've Been Watching, where we spend a half hour talking about all the movies that Tyler's been watching and the random TV shows that I get to sneak in. I thought it was interesting that did maybe I was looking at my note for a second. But did you actually name the title of the movie that we're doing today? I did not. But we, should, we played the little clip. Yeah, if people don't get it, they can, or they didn't <laughs> read the name of the the episode, then they can just fuck off on right out of here. I was kind of hoping that you did say it, then I was like, oh, you have to say it again because you know it's repeating. Yes, we will be talking about Groundhog Day, which until recently I believe I've been saying wrong for years and years and years. What do you mean? I'm pretty certain, without cor- you correcting me, I've called the movie and the day Groundhog's Day. <laughs> I like. I swear to God, I thought it was Groundhog's Day. Groundhog's Day with an apostrophe S. Well, like the day wrong. belongs to the groundhog. It's the Groundhog's Day, not Groundhog Day. That sounds so wrong to me. <laughs> How have you not corrected me in 20 years together? How, Tyler? How? You don't even know that I've been saying it wrong. <laughs> no. That is more evidence that you don't pay attention to me. I have a feeling maybe I've heard you call it Groundhog's Day, but I don't know if we talk about the movie enough to I bet. That it's... I bet when we talked about um, Palm Springs in the last episode of our top movies of 2020. You were like, it's probably a Groundhog's Day scenario. Yes. I know I've said it. And yeah. I've had to catch myself in the last you know week or so calling it correctly. Anyway. So, yes. We're talking about Groundhog Day. We are. But before we do that, what have you been watching, Tyler? Well, you and I watched the latest HBO Max uh, movie called The Little Things with Denzel Washington and Rami Malek and Jared Leto. And this was, it's like a whodunit procedural cop thing, serial killer on the loose, blah, 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 set in the 90s for... I don't know any real reason other than maybe because the last half hour kind of requires them not to have cell phones. That's pretty much the only thing I can pin. And also the director, I think it's John Lee Hancock, wrote it in the 90s and was just like, eh, it's fine. Ah, there's a scene with, like, payphones and shit, and I don't want to have to rewrite that. change it? Can't we just get some older-looking cars in here or something? Yeah. I don't know. And also while we were talking, while we were watching the movie, we were talking about how it's like, we don't get these movies now because... We have so many procedural crime shows now right. that there's not like this hole. So it feels it feels normal for it to be in the nineties because you're like, oh, this feels a little bit different than an episode of Criminal Minds or now, yeah, CSI. Now, now having said that, you know, when we do get movies that are kind of like big release and this was supposed to I mean it went to theater. It's in theaters, I guess. But um you know, Denzel's in it, you know, you it feels like it's elevated, it feels like yeah. okay, we're gonna get something Go, you know, bigger here. And, I mean, to be, to be fair, like the movie stars three Oscar winners. I don't really agree with two of the three wins, but, 
you know, Denzel's there, so he's a two-time Oscar winner, definitely deserving, you know, that's cool. I know, I think all of us will watch Denzel in just about anything. So, yeah, um, man, I don't think I like this movie at all. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I enjoyed watching Denzel, um, I would not watch this movie again. And at first I was like, oh, Jared Leto, because I, I haven't seen some of his more recent stuff that you have. Um, <laughs> but I guess for me, I still have this like uh, attachment to Jared Leto from being like in seventh grade, looking at like YM teen magazines where like Jared Leto was like a model and hot. So I'm like, Jared Leto equals hot equals awesome because now he's like, I'm not a model. I'm this weird ass character actor. So there's a part of me that's like, oh, it's Jared Leto. But then I'm like, oh, but what's he doing? Well, it, it's slightly less uh, over the top than his Joker portrayal in Suicide Squad. Um, did I see that? No, I don't think I you not. ever did. And you no. definitely should never, ever, ever see that movie. Yeah, when when you say that, then I'm like, ah, I don't need to see that. So he's, I mean, he's less less than that. I mean, it takes an hour for him to get in this movie. But man, when he shows up, he's just doing the same horse shit he usually is, do, usually is doing. <laughs> just, it's over the top. It's just like he's greasy looking for... Everything about it just seems like he came to set like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to wear this jumpsuit the whole time. My hair's going to be greasy and I don't care. I, I don't think like his choices are in the script. I think this yeah. is just like Jared Leto, like, yeah, this is how I'm going to play this guy. Yeah. Do you think that if you went back and watched Dallas Buyers Club that you would like that movie and or his performance I, as much now? I don't know because, you know, now is definitely there's more sensitivity toward, uh, you know, people playing parts than which they are not like he played like a transgender person and i think that that you know now we we tend to not like that as much right um by we do you mean you are you speaking for yourself or or the pressure of societal values now i have mixed feelings about it um i feel like yes if it's a trans part and the trans actors available that should be what you should go for because it brings something else to it right i don't know if when that movie came out that there was uh i don't know it's hard to say i haven't seen the movie i personally when i saw that movie before i liked the matthew mcconaughey performance better anyway so mm -hmm. <laughs> like yeah i don't know i just that's the part of the movie that i that i liked and his stuff was less interesting to me um i know that people loved it or whatever but i don't know actually i don't know i'd have to maybe watch the movie again and see how i feel about it yeah kind of depends okay so um, his performance in the little things you didn't love oh i hate what it. about what's his name the other guy i don't know what's going on with this guy rami malik what's his name rami malik I don't like his face. So, <laughs> he won an Oscar for playing Freddie Mercury in that uh, abysmal uh, Bohemian Rhapsody movie, in which he did not sing, which it just blows my mind. Like, I don't know. At least, and you know, and listen, Jamie Foxx won an Oscar for playing Ray Charles, in which he also didn't sing, but I know... At least that when Jamie Foxx is a singer, he can actually sound like Ray Charles. But it was also stupid. It was stupid that he didn't sing, and you had Joaquin Phoenix. He sang in his singing. Movie. Didn't get any fuck. He he had a he had a nomination. Didn't I know, win. but he didn't he fucking win. Didn't he watch. actually fucking sang though. Yeah. Well. So no, I thought it was stupid though. But he's not Jamie good. Fox I mean, I don't think that Freddie Mercury performance. I mean, he's okay in it, but it's not like that movie's terrible. So it's hard for me to. But in this, he's playing like 
he's supposedly playing kind of like a normal guy, and that just does not work for Rami Malek. Like, he doesn't move his jaw. It's always sticking out. His chin's just always out all and the time. he's got a weird face. I don't know if that's just how he looks or if it's he was making he a choice. I'm looking at pictures of him. That's just his face. I don't know, but I feel like he could be more expressive than he is, and this is just a strange movie where he just doesn't have any kind of reaction to anything, and I... I mean, it makes... I mean, right off the bat, you see the guy, and you're just like, oh, man, is this the movie where the this cop is the serial killer? But, of course, that wouldn't make any sense at all. But no. even though you look at him, you're just like, yeah, but... Um, so, no, I don't... I didn't... That character... His performance didn't, didn't really gel with me. Jared Leto's didn't. I think Denzel is good, but, I mean, it's not like he's... I don't know. He's not putting in... You know, he knows what kind of movie it is, and he's doing the parties played a hundred times. He's doing times. a good job. Yeah, it's just, you know. But it's nothing exciting or, like, yeah, refreshing. I, I didn't care for it. I was disappointed with it. And maybe we all should not be surprised, because it's still a January movie after all. And That's true. Whatever. So, no, the little things, eh. Okay. I'd give it a, give it a thumbs down. Okay. What else have you been watching? I watched uh, Malcolm and nope. Marie. Yep. Yep, Malcolm well, and Marie. Were you going to correct me? No, I had written it down wrong because you told me it wrong, but then I had told you it right. So, yes, Malcolm and Marie. Marie and Malcolm. I guess it sounds better as Malcolm and Marie. I yeah, don't know. That's correct. Malcolm and Marie. It stars uh, John David Washington and Zendaya. Mm-hmm. It was. It's notable because it was one of the first movies to basically film. They filmed it relatively quietly in secret in the summer. Very small crew. Um, Sam Levinson is the director. He runs or created the show Euphoria, which Zendaya is on on HBO, and she won an Emmy for that, so that's cool. Um, And it's just this movie where John David Washington plays a film director. They're coming home from a movie premiere. It's just those them in the movie, only these two in this house for the whole movie. And she's understandably miffed because he failed to thank her in a speech ahead of the premiere, and then it got, like, rave reviews, and so... That's kind of the catalyst for this fight. Um, but they, you know, get into other things. But I, you know, I like, uh, I really like John David Washington. I, I like Zendaya and what I've seen her in. Um, I don't know. This was pretty tough to watch because it's just not very, their, their game, you know, I think it looks, it's black and white, looks, looks kind of snazzy and they're, they're giving their A effort too. Mm-hmm. But man, it's just the, it's a movie that goes and fits and starts with them arguing and then kind of like briefly reconciling so they can have this come down moment or a quiet moment. And they don't really actually, it's not a lot of actual fighting. It's just, uh, one character will just kind of monologue for 10 minutes about something where the other one will just sit in silence and just kind of like either look upset or nod or, and then they just kind of, so then, then it gets quiet for a couple minutes and then the next one, the other person like starts up and they do a whole thing for several minutes. There's not a lot of like actual interaction. And it's a lot of weird, uh, John David Washington's character is just ranting and raving about Hollywood problems, things like, you know, critics in the movies and stuff like that. And I don't know, it just didn't seem like it was cohesive at all. And it didn't really, I don't know, I didn't, didn't believe them. I think they, they have a spark, I guess, but I didn't believe them for once, even for a second as a couple. And I didn't care about whether they ended up staying together or not. Um... Yeah. It was a real disappointment considering kind of, you know, when they should, this initially got hyped and released the trailer and they Netflix spent a lot of money on getting it. And I think even there was some Oscar talk at some point, but I, I really doubt that's going to happen now. I don't think a lot of people really like it, but 
I don't know. I was underwhelmed. Speaking of which, talk about that past movie that we talked about, The Little Things. Jared Leto got mm-hmm. a Screen Actors Guild nomination and a Golden Globe nomination for that fucking movie. Yeah. And that is insane to me. I swear to... The Golden Globes I get. It's like a hundred of those uh, foreign press guys. Yeah. And it was literally must have been like the last movie they turned on. They're just like, we like Jared Leto. And they just voted for him. Yeah. But like the Screen Actors Guild, like what are you doing? No Del Rey Lindo for Defy Bloods, but yeah, Jared Leto with his greasy uh, laundromat costume the whole movie. I don't even know. God. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Awards are dumb. <laughs> That's true. Awards are dumb. Anyway, Malcolm and Marie, another movie I didn't care for. Yeah, that's disappointing. When I watched the promo on Netflix, it didn't it didn't pull me in. Like, if you're going to make me spend, what what is it, an hour and a half or so with just two people, it better be something... Where, like, I feel like I'm in on something that I shouldn't be allowed to watch. Like, I'm watching, like, the rawness of a real couple maybe getting into it in the actual, like, the ups and downs of it. Not just, like, I'm monologuing and I'm politely listening. Well, I think the obvious great model would be, you know, the before series, before sunrise, before sunset, before midnight. The third movie is very much a more of a fight. Because <laughs> yeah. they, they're in the third one, they are married and... They're going through some stuff, and so that movie has a long stretch of them fighting that's a lot better. I think even, like, last year's or two years ago's Marriage Story is much better that's what when I it said. comes to conflict yeah. and showing people fighting. and Yeah, and how you're just, like, super shitty and you say terrible things, but then you, like, don't meet them, but then you lose your temper. No, this, this script is not up to snuff, and, it, and yeah. it is a mix of ideas and a mix of things that this guy, Sam Levinson, wrote and direct. you know, he wrote... It, it, you know, it's a mix of, like, his grievances against certain aspects of Hollywood. It's a mix of this relationship, kind of, but it's all focused on what how this movie he made came to be. I don't know. It just doesn't... None, none of it really worked Sounds for me. Sounds annoying. And it didn't, I, it didn't work for me. Well, I'm glad I didn't stay up for it and I went to bed. Yeah. No. What else have you been watching, Tyler? Oh, well, um, you know, I was oddly watching movies on HBO Max, especially, that are, like starts with the word America. Yeah, you've been very pro-America since uh, in the last, you know, since I don't, the last month. Is that what it is? I don't know. Yeah. I think it's just yeah, like, maybe Yeah, your subconscious I'm, is like, America, I love think, you. <laughs> do you want to know the real reason? I think, so what I do when I go on to... Um, is it alphabetical? Yeah. Is that shit alphabetical? I went to like the HBO <laughs> section of HBO Max and it's like browse movies and it starts with A and you're yeah. just like, well, let's see what we want to watch here. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, American President. Oh, I think that was on Netflix actually though so that this whole thing doesn't hold it water doesn't, it doesn't hold water Tyler. um american reunion american uh, pot oh yeah yeah so this time i watched uh america's sweethearts with Catherine zeta jones and julia roberts and billy crystal and john cusack and it's like this speaking of like inside hollywood nonsense mm-hmm. like it's john cusack and Catherine zeta jones were a a star couple who appeared in movies together they've broken Not believable. up <laughs> yeah they've broken up um what do you mean not believable? I I would not see John Cusack and Catherine Zeta Jones. Catherine Zeta Jones is married to the old an old dude. I know. <laughs> I'm Douglas. just saying th- that seems like a that seems like a fine pairing. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and Billy Crystal is like the pre- is like the junket person because they've made a movie and they need to get them back together to press the movie because the movie has been hijacked by the director played by Christopher Walken, and Julia Roberts is the sister of Catherine Zeta Jones and she's like her assistant, right? Um. God, I remember seeing this movie when it came out in like '99, mm-hmm. and being like on board. Maybe two, eh, maybe 2001. It might be actually 2001, 
because I, you know, I'm as you know, like I'm a big John Cusack fan, especially yes. from that era, nineties, eighties, nineties Cusacks, where it's at. Yeah, most old millennials are. I, you know, that's a good zone for Julia Roberts. We were still like not uh, being annoyed by Billy Crystal at this point, and Catherine Jada Jones was like still yep. red hot. Along, you know, Oscar for Chicago and everything, right? Um, so I remember like seeing it and being like, "Oh, this is great! This look at this, this whole funny little uh, inside Hollywood movie, right?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not very good. Yeah, <laughs> like it just. Uh, it's pretty silly. I don't know. <laughs> what? Your 17-year-old self wasn't able to evaluate the quality of this kind of movie? It was what? fine. I don't know. It wasn't... Like, I didn't hate it, but it, it, it's just... it's Billy Crystal, like, co-wrote it, and you can tell, because he's just, like, kind of giving himself a lot of just... No. Jokes what? and stuff like that. And that... Well, I'll have, I'll have more to talk about Billy Crystal uh, in another episode soon, because I'm in the middle of... Uh, City Slickers 2, The Legends of, Legend of Curly's Gold, but I can't talk about that until I actually finish it, right? Um... <laughs> Wow. Anyway, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. It wasn't, uh, it didn't have the same charm as it had, uh, back when I remember seeing it before. It's not, it's not like horrible, but it's not, not great. A lot of people in it, though. (sighs) And then I watched, not an America movie, but close, State, Enemy of the State, uh, Will Smith. Uh huh. (laughs) Will Smith, uh, movie? From 98, I think, right? Yes, when he was making a lot of movies where he always was running in the movie. Well, he this was like this, this was his box office uh, king uh, period, right? Yeah. And this is Tony Scott, and it's uh, got Gene Hackman in it, um, which is so weird. You know, you look back and Gene Hackman's great, and then you watch this, and he doesn't really appear for, you know, a good hour, and then he's, you know, in it for till the end, but... It's so crazy to think that he, like, retired from movies, like, just a couple years after this movie. Like, he made this, and he made a couple other things. He made Royal Tenenbaums, and then it was, like, Welcome to Mooseport with Ray Romano in 2003, and that was it for Gene Hackman. What what a movie to end, to end on. And he's and, he, and he's still alive, uh, knock on wood, but he hasn't appeared in a movie since 2003, which is crazy, because usually, you know, actors especially, they don't really retire. They yeah, just work and pop work. pop in, pop out. We just lost Christopher Plummer a couple days ago of this recording. He's 91. I mean, that dude was working. Did, I, was, did I know that? No, he just died. Probably hmm. funny, because we just watched The Sound of Music um, with the kids. So who watched The Sound of Music? That was what we watched. He's yes. in that. And then, well, yeah, he's pretty prominently in... Like Knives Out last year, which was a pretty big hit. So it's you know Christopher Plummer was working until ninety one, won an Oscar only it's a few years ago. How you live a long time, you keep on working. Yeah, well, Gene Hackman's breaking that mold because he's living just fine apparently. So anyway, uh, Enemy of the State is really good, and it's it's almost frustrating to watch for a couple different reasons. One, Gene Hackman, you're just like God. Gene Hackman rules. Like he should be in movies more. Like get him out of retirement, make some movies, right? Can Martin Scorsese rope him in like we roped in Joe Pesci, right? Um, Will Smith. It's it's I, this is the part that's irritating. Like Will Smith's movie choices over the last several years have not been great, mm-hmm. and it's nice to go back and see this period where he was like just on top of everything like this was yeah, perfect what, what role for him happening there i don't know this was a perfect role for him and it, it, it's an r-rated movie and it, it's not like he was in the he was worried about like necessarily huge box office because it's like an adult part but um i don't know i just i wish that he'd make more movies like this oh, like, he made bad boys again that was great <sighs> no it was not <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, but it also it's just like a bunch of people peep popping up in that. Like Jack Black is in that thing. Uh, Jamie Kennedy, Seth Green, uh, Jason Lee is like gets murdered in the thing pretty quickly. Jason Robards is in the beginning. John Voight, uh, you know, formerly uh, beloved actor before he decided he liked a anyway a bad politician. So um, but yeah, no, it's holds up. yeah, super fun. Uh, Gene Hackman is uh, is the bomb though in it. It also had that great. I know why it made money. Like I know why it was a hit, other than Will Smith, because in the trailer for it. Uh, and the trailer is a little bit deceiving because it, it happens as a big explosion going on behind him while they're driving away in a truck. Yeah. And it looks like it's a big bombast. And it's a thriller. It's moving around, but it's not like a lot of explosions and stuff like that. But, like, uh, the joke is it was in the trailer a thousand times. I swear to God, it sold the movie because he's like, Will, or Will Smith is like, what happened? And Gene Hackman's like, I blew up the building. He's like, why'd you do that? And he's like, because you made a phone call. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> What a wow. premise. Wow, Tyler. And it's like, you know, that apparently the technology, like, it seems like when you're watching it now, you're like, oh, yeah, this technology, this is what it's like when people are hunting down people. There's always cameras everywhere. But at the time, it wasn't like, it was a little, like, ahead of its time. It was, like, a little bit, quote-unquote, futuristic. But now it was like, yeah, it had everything right, man. Yeah. It's a good movie. We should have done it for the podcast. Yeah. What the hell, Tyler? Well, I have it on DVD, but... It was expiring on HBO Max. I was like, wow, well, watch it on HBO Max. Oh my God, you're ridiculous. <laughs> oh my God. That's what All I right, we're going to talk about two more things very quickly. Okay. One, because I don't get to watch any good movies like you do, like Enemy of the, Enemy of the you State. You could watch it. I could, but instead, you know, I'm doing all the hundred other things I'm doing. What? Oh, because like, I'm going to get an, I'm gonna get another degree. <laughs> Well, I want to watch Enemy of the State, so priorities. Priorities, <laughs> bitch. You can get another college degree, or you can watch more TV. I got a college degree. How many do you need? I've got a couple. Just get a couple more. Yeah, I guess. Anyway, so while you were sleeping in, that's what you were doing. Was no, I? no, no, no. I was no. working. You were working. Yeah. Right in your column or something. Um, the kids and I turned on a new movie on new to Netflix um, called Upside Down Magic. Mm-hmm. You know, any movie that's about fantasy and magic, I can I can just about tolerate. So, the kids were very excited to watch this after watching the trailer for it. I showed them another trailer for that uh, uh, Goonies ripoff in Hawaii, something Ohana. <laughs> A stellar comment. Yeah, Elliot wants to watch that one, but uh, he lost out. So, we watched Upside Down Magic, and this is a movie where... It's very much like a. Di- was it? Did I watch it on Disney? I'm pretty sure that was, I don't know. Yes. Yeah, it's on the. It's on. It's Disney. like a Disney Channel movie like type thing though. Yeah, and um, it was fine. Yeah. It was tolerable, but it's it's like these movies. It's the very Disney Channel esque thing where the kid actors are actually better than the adult actors. Oh, and yeah. it and and that's. That's weird, where it's like, I'm enjoying watching the kids, but then this, like, adult comes in as the teacher's like, hey, guys, burn you're like, who the fuck are you? You do not belong here. Learn how to act. It was weird, but it was fine. The kids enjoyed it. They want to watch it again. So if you're into that kind of stuff, Upside Down Magic on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, like, I don't know. What's the deal with the uh, adults coming into a movie like that? So sometimes you, they'll get, like, a, a name actor for something like that. And that'll kind of work sometimes, but yeah. then again, like I know our kids literally like that "We Can Be Heroes" thing or yes. the Spy Kids, and I always watch those. I've seen I've seen a little bit enough of it to be like, even in that, even when they get name actors, they tend to be really like overdoing it. Yeah, they're like, we're it's in like, a kid we can movie. get away with it, so we're gonna act like we're in a 
kid movie, and you're like, could you just act? Whereas acting I feel like fine. we're trying to push the kid acting down to like more of a because that used to be the thing where kid actors were over the top. over the top, and now and being like cutesy. Now they're like they're honing it in yeah. a little bit. Which don't is be nice. cute, just be like normal. Yeah. So I think the the kid actors in that Upside Down Magic did a good job. Okay. Um, as we've said on the podcast a lot of times, we are constantly on the lookout for shows we can watch with the kids in the evenings that you and I can tolerate. And the and so we got to match a wide range of ages, right? We got three, five, seven, nine, and then us, old millennials. Game shows usually almost work. Game shows almost always work. Some reality shows work. Um, last year we watched Holy Moly, mm-hmm. which was a delight for everybody. Yep. Um, with Rob Riggle, and so we turned on the Hulu, and Rob Riggle has a new show called Rob Riggle. Uh, it's not. It, it came out in early 2020. It's not sure. new, but it's, it's new on there. Us. It showed up on our like. Yeah. You should watch this. Yeah, which um, I was mad that they did. It just become available. Like, why have you just telling me about this now? Hulu, yeah. fucking Hulu, dropping the ball. It's called Rob Riggle, Global Investigator. Right. It's a Discovery Channel show where he is only six episodes, but. He, you know, goes on the hunt for finding Atlantis or understanding this lost treasure from the OK Corral or uh, et cetera, et cetera. And he goes around and it's very much like that kind of show, but he's playing his kind of overconfident, cocky Rob Riggle-ness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you liked him on Holy Moly, that kind of vibe. Yeah. That's exactly what he's doing. Yeah. Um, and I, what I... See, I love Rob Riggle, but even... Even when he was appearing in movies, like, a few years ago, like, I think the tendency was to make him a huge asshole. Yes. And now, uh, and I don't think he's not, he's not an asshole, but, like, that's the characters he would play. And he's doing a variation on that a little bit, but it's definitely, like, more charming mm-hmm. and more, like, lovable buffoon. Yeah. And I, it, it's, it's, he's just nailed the sweet spot. He's mm-hmm. in the zone in terms of this particular uh, character he plays. And it's, yeah, it's just delightful. It is a little weird because, um... You know, our kids really like this show, by yeah, the way. They really like they it. They really wanted to watch it. They, they're they just all in for it, right? Because they like Rob Riggle, because they like Tolly Moly, right? Yes. And they like the adventure part of it. But it, it is, like, not explicitly not a kid kids. show. Yeah, it's not for kids. And and not not in that it's, you know, it's still a Discovery Channel show, so it's not like, there's not, like, unnecessary stuff. But it is, like, about things, you know, battles and... Death, lots death. of people dying. Atlantis is lots of death. Yes. Watch one on a missing Roman army, 5,000, you know. So there's like They're skeletons. Looking at, he's and digging up skeletons. And, and, <laughs> yeah, and so they, you know, that's not going over too great, but they they like it so much that they're willing to over, overcome that. Yeah. They're also a little bit frustrated by, like, why is the episode ending? He didn't find Atlantis. Yeah. And it's like, well, <laughs> like, like, he's not going <laughs> to. No, Elliot's like, play the next one. We got to see what happens. Like, no, the episode's over. Yeah, like, no, he's he, not going to find Atlantis. And, but he, well, I mean, he does find some interesting things about Atlantis, actually. He probably gets more, like, believable Traction. information out of that than he did out of some of the other ones. But, um, yeah. But yeah, I like the treasure hunt ones. He's like, how come they didn't find the treasure? I was like, well, because no one's found it. And, like, they're only, he's, <laughs> like, he's not actually discovering new things. This no. is just, like, recapping some stuff, you know? Yeah. And, it, and exposing you to things you might not have known about before, kids. Yeah. It's, 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 there's good history in it, actually. Yeah. And it's really fun. So I hope that, uh, they do another one. It's not, there's been no announcement, but obviously I don't yeah. think it's an easy show to make during a pandemic. So maybe yeah. it'll come back later but it's got some fun um small like survivalist things every once in a while yeah. he'll rappel down a cliff or eat some scorpions or 
see a shark, you know, so there's some excitement there. Or a fox. Or a fox. A fox alarmed him. Yeah. Until I would be alarmed. Until he remembered that his dad said, like, ah, you don't want to worry about foxes. Yeah. <laughs> After his dad also said, <laughs> stop. What is that? I don't even remember. It's You'll go stuff. blind if you keep touching it or something like that. <laughs> See, again, not quite the right. You don't want a winking joke for your kids, but, you know, it was fast enough that the kids didn't pick up on yeah, it. Yeah, they blast through it a little bit, so. <laughs> yeah. No, it's good. It's I'm glad we found it. Yeah. Um, I do wish there was more, but. Yep. So if you're looking for a fun show that you can watch with your family, and you're okay with a little bit of inappropriateness for your kids. I do feel like they could probably do, um, you know, once... I, you know, LA gets a little bit better. I feel like Holy Moly could probably, they could probably figure out how to make that without, with some precautions. So hopefully that comes back. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, I don't know. Global Investigator is a little bit tough because he's, he's going Traveling all over the place. Traveling around. And, yeah. It's, it's the travel. A little bit tough. Rob yeah. Riggle doesn't need to be uh, spreading uh, UK or South African variants around the world, I suppose. No, that would not be good. Yeah. Okay, Tyler. So that wraps up what we've been watching. Okay. What are we doing now? We're talking Groundhog Day. Are you sure we're not talking Groundhog Day? Literally. Look at my notes. You did it. Groundhog Day. Right so, at the top. A little bit. Just a little bit behind the scenes for you. Okay. On February 1st, we're like, we should watch Groundhog's Day. Hell and then yes. have it posted on Groundhog Day. I just said it wrong. Damn it. And again, you're the one who taught me to <laughs> say it wrong. Oh! Discovered. No, it's your fault because you made me say it. You just said <laughs> twice. It to me. You just said it wrong twice. No, that was me doing an impression of you. Like we should watch Groundhog's Day because I that's really better. what it was. You've been going no, it wrong because that was I. I was not the one who suggested it. So that, that right then, right just now, was me impersonating oh, you, you were, saying you we should do Groundhog's me. Day. Yeah, I was quoting you when you said that. Sure. sure, sure. So then we were like, okay, let's do that. So then we started watching it on February first. Yeah, and then. Some of the kids are getting up and it's some trouble. Fucking interrupting nonstop. And well, like, oh. our littlest was up and I had to go lay in his bed for a little while. Um, so then we were like, okay, well, we'll just, well, you know what we'll do? People love Groundhog Day. It doesn't matter when it posts. It was hard for you to say Groundhog people, Day, wasn't it? <laughs> people, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, it, like, who cares? It doesn't, we never hit, we never hit our actual timelines on this no. show anyway. Nope. And so we'll watch it on Groundhog Day and that'll be a thing. Yeah. Well, then... We didn't watch the rest of the movie on Groundhog Day. <laughs> no, in fact... Uh, I don't know what we did. We we're recording this on February 7th, which is a few days after So Groundhog I think Day. we watched it the next day, though, or two... Maybe, maybe it was two days later? I don't, yeah, remember. I don't remember. It was some, whenever we had time to kind of yep. pick it back up when we watched it. So uh, all that's out the window. But now it's like our Valentine's... Valentine's Day, not Valentine Day. Uh, you know, it's the one we'll post before Valentine's Day, and that's fitting. See, now why is it Valentine's Day, but it's on Groundhog's well, Day? I think it's because it's a case-by-case basis on who names the holiday, I suppose. <laughs> okay. It's called Christmas Day, not Christmas's Day. Okay. Is it called Christmas Day? Sometimes people say Christmas Day. If you look on a calendar, it says Christmas Day. It does? Them. Yeah. Crazy. I know. Anyway, so what were we talking about? Yes. We watched Groundhog Day. <laughs> yes. Sometime in February. We did. Of 2021. I was, okay, more behind the scenes. There are <laughs> certain movies for this podcast that I feel like are tough. Yeah. Tough because I, I don't think you have this problem. You, We've done a few of your like favorite movies, I suppose. You don't seem to have a problem. Be like, we'll watch that. Well, I could talk about it. I have a little bit of trouble because I'm just like, what am I going to say about Groundhog Day? What am I going to say about... Jurassic Park. What am I going to say about Back to the Future? These movies that are like Ghostbusters too. 
No, Ghostbusters 2 I could talk about <laughs> for days. <laughs> Ghostbusters 1 might be a little bit tougher, but... Um, E.T. E.T., a good example. Just a movie that is, in my mind, very, 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 very almost perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, very, so, very almost perfect. And, be- and beloved, right? I mean, yes. Jurassic Park's beloved, Groundhog Day. Like, there's there's been so many... It's revered. It's just a movie that has been written about, talked about ad nauseum, really, um, since when it came out all the way through now. So it's tough to say, like, we're going to do this podcast and we're going to call something different or insightful to say. I know. Even before this, I was like, Tyler, I'm nervous. Like, what could we say that hasn't been said better by better people? And so then maybe you have a hot, you know, you, you think, well, maybe I'll watch and I'll have a hot take. Maybe I don't like Groundhog Day. Maybe I think it's shitty. Yeah. So it's tough. Um, but having said that, you know, we're going to give it a try, uh, because what the show is, we watch uh, movies from the past and we talk about what they meant to us, what they mean to us now, if they hold up, spoiler alert, this one holds up. Um, spoiler alert, if you're looking for anything super deep and insightful, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'm not interested in, you know, I, there's a lot of deep dives and, and philosophical talk about what this movie is and stuff like that. I'm less interested in that because... Oh, yeah? Maybe we're going to do that. Maybe you will. I'm just saying, to me, I just find it to be constructed as a story uh, perfectly. Oh. To me, it doesn't uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, if, okay. uh, it doesn't. You know, that stuff is less important to me. You know what I mean? Let's jump in with what do you remember before we get into high stats and we deep dive into Groundhog Day. Tyler, what do you remember? I'll go first. Okay, I have to pull my. What do you anyway. remember is the segment where we, before we rewatch it, sit down and try to write what we remember. It's pretty self-explanatory. Right, right, right. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> I don't remember watching this or watching it with so much love until I met Tyler. He's going to say this is a hard movie to talk about because it's basically perfect. Yeah, but I said that. Hey, I said that. I know you're very predictable. <laughs> But I only remember this movie through experiencing it with someone who loves it so much. I remember that I love the concept, I love the what-would-I-do relatability, and I love Bill Murray. His dark humor is sick and funny, and he's such a fabulous asshole. Maybe that's why I relate to it so well. Hmm. That's well, what I wrote. Well, this is what I wrote. Groundhog Day is a perfect movie. <laughs> Drink. I know you so well. You wrote more. Oh. <laughs> And that's even taking into account that Chris Elliott is in it. Ugh. Shade. Um, I remember seeing this in a theater, riding a high from our family's love of What About Bo- What About Bob. Between that and Ghostbusters, I was a Bill Murray fanatic at a very young age. It's a movie I've seen many, 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 many times. See what I did there? I mean, you checked that a lot on your phone? You texted that shit with your thumb and your other thumb? I did. I wrote all those minis. Show me. Right there. Look. No, I gotta see. Show me the proof. Look at that. What is wrong with you? It was a joke. I found it amusing to myself when I was You're doing all it. That would take me five minutes to text I thought about Googling the like, amount of days that people have estimated that how long he's in the loop for and thought about writing it that many times because I thought it could be a little excessive. A smidge. Um, yeah, so I'll give you a little background. I did see this in a theater. Um, at a, you know, I was, whatever, eight or nine, right? Uh, it was, I was excited about it and I think I probably like bothered my parents. Like, if you're going to go to that, I want I want to see that. Let's go. I want to go to that movie. Um, because our family, where we were just like, we all thought What About Bob was really good, or at least I thought it was really funny, and I liked to watch it. We either, maybe we got the video cassette at this point, I'm not sure, that was like 91. I was a big What About Bob fan, I was already a big Ghostbusters fan, but like, 
when I first discovered Ghostbusters, I knew that like this Peter Venkman character is funny, but it wasn't like, ooh, Bill Murray's the best, right? Mm-hmm. It kind of took the punch of like a what about Bob plus knowing Ghostbusters to really like get this right. So your parents took you to this movie at the age of nine. Yeah, and I was going to say we have a nine year old now. Yeah, the other thing I remember is. Um, Thinking it was, I really liked it, but mm-hmm. also, like, there's a stretch of this movie that gets kind of dark, and I was just like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, you yeah. Know. And I remember I remember that as a child, being like, oh, wow, he jumped off that building. Look, there's his cold corpse in a morgue. Yeah. Cool. I tell you what I remember, because mm-hmm. I watched it young, too. I don't remember how young. Yeah. Me, probably around the time it came out on VHS, probably. Mm-hmm. Probably 10 or so. Um, the The toaster... And yeah, which is also I was like, disturbing. That was very much like, I remember my parents, my mom being like, and that's why you don't fuck with electronics yeah. near water. And it's like, yeah. oh my God, you will die. Like, that's yeah. scary. That's yeah. very scary it to is. a child. Not that you'd ever have a toaster in, in the bathroom. But <laughs> you might have a boombox or radio in the bathroom back in the day. At least the movie didn't like insinuate that like he electrocuted himself and then like kind of survived. And so he's just like barely on life support for the rest of the day yeah. and then like got rebooted. I mean, I kind of needed that scene I w- as we were watching it back again. Well, Palm Springs this last year kind of addressed this a little bit yes. of like torture and stuff like that. We can get into like yes. the, the cult of the spinoffs, but... Um, anyway, you remember watching it as a kid. Yeah, and I just remember really liking it, but also just being like, I feel like this movie's a little bit above my <laughs> age. Yeah, uh, like not totally 100% appropriate. But it's a movie that um, I think, you know, ended up just being watched a lot either on video, we would rent it, and then we would, you know, we eventually would either get the VHS or, or I got, the, you know, whenever. So... It was one that grew and grew and grew. And I think it, it kind of... I mean, this was well-liked at the time it came out, but um, it, it very much became a movie over the years that has just kind of grown in esteem. Um, yes. And I, I was a part of that growth. I probably probably felt that way like in high school or something like that, and watching it, like, oh, shit, this is like a classic. Like, yes. And, you, you know, it's kind of surprising how, you know, something that you've seen... Uh, turned into a classic that way, in a way that I don't think that <laughs> What About Bob turns into is is a classic. In a way that it's like this is perfect. This movie works yeah. really well. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Um, you know, you might have appreciation for it, but it's not the same as uh something that is just now. Yep. Widely agreed upon as something that is really good. Um, so there you go. That was my memory. That's of it. your memory. Yeah. Time for high stats. High stats. High stats. So Groundhog Day came out February 12th, 1993. Perfect little Valentine's Day movie. It came out after Groundhog Day. Yeah, so let's be clear. Like, we just... Oh, we're doing a perfect We just timing. gotta launch this. I got five... Yeah, we're Five good. days to post this. Perfect. Okay. It is rated PG. Uh, clock's in at an hour and 41 minutes. Not too long. Not too short. It is um, written by Danny Rubin and Harold Ramis and directed by Harold Ramis. And it stars Bill Murray, Annie McDowell, Chris Elliott. He's actually good in the movie. He's, for a small part. I mean, yeah. <laughs> just don't really like him. He's third third lead, I guess, but still doesn't have a lot to do, so it's fine. Yes. It was budgeted to make the movie at $14 million and grossed $71 million. Okay. Yeah. Was it a hit? Those are your high stats. It was a hit? Um, so this is a movie that has a lot of behind-the-scenes drama. As you might uh, guess, I guess. No, you wouldn't guess that. People who, like, are normal people don't know that kind of stuff. I, I think it... Well, I guess you're probably right about that. I just feel like some of that back... 
the drama behind the scenes kind of contributed in a re- in a very rare case where the drama behind the scenes actually contributed to making it a better movie. Um, because uh, famously, Harold Ramis and Bill Murray uh, had a long partnership. He, Harold Ramis is Egon in Ghostbusters, and and he you know, wrote many projects with Bill Murray. They worked together for a long time. They made this together, and they never worked together after this again, and they didn't even really speak to each other for years, uh, and up until about when Harold Ramos was dying, and I think Bill Murray finally like met with him, and they've had some kind of um, reconciliation. So that's a long time, because Harold Ramos died, what, uh, five years ago, six years ago? Yeah. There was a long period where they were not uh, speaking. And, um, you know, so the so some of the argument goes, it was basically a, a a fight over tone a fight over what kind of movie bill murray wanted to make and versus what harold ramus wanted to make ramus seemed to really focus in on the comedy um and bill murray was interested in doing a kind of heavy movie about mm-hmm. what the consequences of this was um and uh, somehow <laughs> through that fight they made a movie that actually strikes both tones really well um i don't know how that worked but it did. That's just, the movie actually kind of um, manages to be very funny, but then also um, is one of Bill Murray's better performances, really, at, because it you know it plays it serious. What's interesting? I'm reading over Roger Ebert's second review, okay, of this, and oh, and his first review, and um, it's like he didn't know about the riff between the two because even in 2005 when he goes back and does another review he writes about how Ramis and Murray had worked together from the dawn of their careers at mm-hmm. Second City in Chicago and knew each other in ways only improv improv actors can know each other finding their limits and strengths I doubt if Ramis would have had the slightest interest in directing this material with anyone else but Murray it wasn't the story that appealed to him but the thought of Murray in it yeah, that's a weird um, conjecture, I yeah. guess. Not aware of the lack of them t- speaking to each other, essentially. Yeah. I, I, which I can is... see them having that, like, history and him th- knowing who Murray, who Bill Murray is and wanting him in this movie. But... I've listened to the commentary on this d- DVD before. We did not listen to it again. But we did turn on a few minutes of, like, kind of the behind-the-scenes stuff. And it is notable how Harold Ramis kind of talks around Bill Murray. Talks about his talent, but also kind of talks around like clearly the conflict you could tell that there was something going on and there's a, a clip of like an outtake where you could read it as like bill murray being like kind of like mean funny to his friend but i don't know knowing what you know like he just kind of breaks thing and like kind of chastises harold ramus over something you're just like oh jesus they were like mad at each other like you could tell like and maybe, so maybe, and maybe we're conjecturing. There is a little yeah. conjecture on our part there too, but but sometimes you can be the meanest to people you know well. That's true. You know, like you can be a bigger asshole to your friend than you can to a someone you're trying to be professional with. Yeah, so there could be an element of that. But I thought that was interesting. well, and this is just this fascinating, you know, dive into the kind of the persona of Bill Murray and how that has evolved over the years. Um, because there was a period where. You know, Bill Murray was perfectly satisfied being the funniest person on the planet, and then he wanted to also do some serious parts. And you know, and he he's very elusive, and we, it seems like that's softened a little bit now. He's more known as the guy who like just pops up in random places and yeah. like will join a wedding party or do something crazy. But he famously doesn't like have an agent. He has a phone number where people call, and he'll like call back if he wants to do a movie 
Like, I don't even think Wes Anderson, like, talks to him and all that. And he's worked with him several times. It's just like, well, I got to call the number if I want to get Bill Murray in the movie. You know, like, it's just like... He's weird. He's a weird dude. And, you know, some of that... It's... I don't know if it's it's softened over the years or he's loosened up or, or something's changed in him. But, like, you feel the same way about, like, the Chevy Chase saga of watching him, you know, steamroll through various projects and, you know, go in and out of community with various fights with various people and just that um a, a, in, incredible comedic talent but also comes with this struggle creatively with other other people who are are, are very i mean because harold ramus is like you know yeah he's a titan of comedy as well i mean yeah. i know some of his later movies before he died weren't great but yeah you know he did do some great stuff so it's it's a weird it's a weird thing so he, here's roger's uh description of bill murray okay in 2005. Mm -hmm. The Murray persona, as kind of aligns with what you say, Tyler, has become familiar without becoming tiring. The world is too much with him. He is a little smarter than everyone else. He has a detached melancholy. He is deeply suspicious of joy. He sees sincerity as a weapon that can be used against him, and yet he conceals emotional needs. He is Hamlet in a sitcom world. Lost in Translation, another film that works because Bill Murray is in it, captures these qualities. So does The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou, which doesn't work because Murray's character has nothing to push against in a world that he is as detached as he is. I disagree, but I am a um, somewhat of an outlier on The Life Aquatic. I love it. A lot of people don't. Yeah. So, but that's me. <laughs> um, but I like the he is a Hamlet. I like um, he is he does have a detached melancholy. He is deeply suspicious of joy. Well, no one... So, and that's the thing. Like, here's the... Another reason why Groundhog Day works is yeah. that it is a perfect vehicle for the type of character that pretty much only Bill Murray can play. I think there's a version of Chevy Chase that can can play this, but I think it leans too far into assholery. Um, and I... You know, we were talking about this after. It's just like, I feel like the only person that's ever come close in a comedy of kind of doing this Bill Murray like thing or even like a Chevy Chase like thing in Christmas Vacation is Joel McHale on Community which is you know notable because he's uh, I, he's named after a Bill Murray character and like uh, uh, um, Winger uh, mm -hmm. is I think that's Stripes right um, but that's the he's an asshole but you you have to still like him and he has to still be funny as kind of the person that reacts to things and so um, it's really tough it's not something that a lot of performers could do it's not like you could have just hired this is a totally different movie with literally any other actor. It's just yeah. it just is. Um, it could be a good movie, I suppose, but it would be different and it would not be the same. Agreed. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I think it's. I don't know if there's value in going over in particular certain scenes or anything like that, but there are like stretches of this. I I think are just there's a reason why it's perfect, and I'll I'll try to do this quickly, but. Um, <laughs> I think in the fe in the bonus features they talk about how the original script like starts in the middle of his time loop, which kind of similar to how Palm Springs last year kind of does it a little bit, um, and then they they kind of change that and it bummed out the original screener a little bit. But um, in this case, I think it's essential. And I know a lot of the movies that copy this formula follow the same outline, but you do have to see enough of Bill Murray being an asshole 
to appreciate what he's going through. You have to kind of know his tone when he sees things and is reacting to things. You have to know that he doesn't like being... You have to know that he, it's bad enough that he's there for, like, the third year in a row. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he's been there three days of his whole life, and that was enough for this guy, mm-hmm. right? So then if you make him go through infinite amount, you got to know what he's going through. But I also like how... It, I mean, it doesn't take long. It's like... Really, the movie's going on the first Groundhog Day pretty quickly. You're yep. you're there, and then, you know, because you know the premise of the movie, you know that what we're seeing is important. So the movie's going pretty quickly. Um... I also think it's just really comedically great with its second and third and fourth days. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where most of the comedy comes from. But then it also is really good about changing gears after that and giving us kind of the broader picture of what he has to do or what he's trying to do to kind of change his circumstance or not. So I like all of the structure of it is just really well paced, I feel like. And that's part of the reason why it's so uh, memorable because it it moves it it changes what it is when it needs to Mm -hmm. which is something that a lot of movies don't know how to do very well and especially copycats of the Groundhog Day premise very often have no idea how to sustain a tone of that without repeating themselves too much or trying to really kind of rush towards some kind of like moral uh, lesson or something like that this one takes he takes he has to go through a few different tries to really even learn what his lesson needs to be here, and uh, I like that a lot. Anyway, structure is good. <laughs> Give me something. What do you What do you want to talk about with Groundhog Day? Um, let's talk about how annoying the the snowman building scene is. How annoying the snowman scene is? Yes. Okay, tell me more. I don't know. There's just something about it. And maybe it's because when you watch the movie, you see him repeat the day. And then you see the, the scene where he he's he's irritated and he, like, doesn't pull it off well. So I feel like when I watch it, every time it's slowly going through that scene, I'm feeling irritated because I know it's going to fail. I know he's faking it. And I think that's a good effect of the movie where it's like, I'm feeling irritated by the whole situation at this point. Cause I know it's all, all for nothing. And so that part feels like work as a, as a, as a viewer. That's which, interesting. Which is effective, that you say that. but I'm just like, just like get to the part where like, he's not doing this. I have notes in my little notes that I wrote here about how much I actually really like. I know. And you know what? I actually remember us watching it and, um, me being like, ugh, I do not like this part. Not this time. I mean like 15 years ago when we first watched it. And I go, ugh. And you're like, we might not be able to date anymore. (laughs) This, this is the part of the movie that I think where the movie starts getting great. Yeah. Actually. I know. Because it is a very subtle thing where, um, you are rooting for him to because he likes Andy McDowell. Yeah, and he, you know, you 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 sympathize. It's very funny that he's having to repeat this, but at this point, you're just like, all right, this sucks. Maybe he's going to try to do something. Well, we might as well try to go for this girl. He likes her. We like Bill Murray's assholery enough that you know we we're on his side anyway. Even though he's a jerk, we're on his side. So the fact that he starts doing this thing where. And it, I equate it to, like, it's a video game. Mm-hmm. He has to pass the level. Mm-hmm. And so you get a lot of scenes. And I, what I love about the construction of it is that we, we usually get to see two or three things of him wooing her. And then it has to start over. But until he, like, figures out the thing to say or to do to get to the next level, essentially. Yes. It's like, oh, what, oh, can do you want something to drink? And then he learns her favorite drink. Right. And then he learns that she loves French poetry. Right. 
So then he says, like, oh, my God, what a waste of time. So then he cuts back, <laughs> which is a great joke, and it's great. It's real funny. And then he does it, and he learns he's – maybe it's taken him more than a day, but he's learned some something in French to woo her again. And so you have this past-level aspect to it that culminates with largely the snowman, snowman building scene. What I really love about it is – there's two things that happen during this particular sequence. Number one, you begin to realize that, like, I don't think I should be rooting for this guy to do this because he's not being genuine. He's yeah. trying to get the girl. He's trying to trick her. And we like that because we want them to get together because we know this is a romance, right? But, but you start wrong. having mixed feelings about it. Like, yeah. oh, what is he doing? Like, this is not good. And then also, it's a very good performance in Bill Murray's part because even during this stretch... There are hints of him, like, turning into a good guy and realizing that, like, he could have a real relationship with this person if he would just, like, stop trying to make it a level-passing thing. Yeah. And so there's hints of it, but then, of course, he he doesn't make it. And what, my other thing I really love is he gets all the way to the room, and he gets a little pushy and handsy, and it's, it's a no, and, uh, you know, he kind of freaks her out with the comments he makes, right? What? He's all, I love you. Yeah. And she's like, what the fuck? Have but, you been, like, but here's the spying thing. on me? I, what I love about that a little bit is that I do believe him when he says that he loves her. Because he's been doing this, and I think he does. I think that he's he's letting down his own, like, gaming of the system to admit that he does. And that's, of course, freaking out. That would freak someone out, right? Yes. But then I also love is that from that point on, he never gets close again. He just goes backwards. He, he just... ends up going farther and farther back because he's getting frustrated with his own circumstance and he's he's not doing the work that he actually needs to do. He's not doing the thing he's supposed to be doing. And that's when we realize, like, what is this movie? Okay, like, it's not a rom... Like, it is a romance, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not... That's not the goal. See, I like that part, but for some reason, I think the first time I watched him nailing it on the snowball scene, I'm just like... I'm feeling irritated. Well, I love the thing after that, where like the one after he's failed, where he's just like gets overly excited and like, he's making like, oh, a bunch I'm of dumb. I'm gonna adopt you, and I'm gonna adopt you, and he's like got this edge and irritation and like yeah, I love it. I think it's, I think it's the key voice. to the great. I, I think it's key to the performance. Um, there's a lot of just little things about his performance that's great. I the trailer is another part where he says like I think I'm having a problem. That line is actually like I'm having a problem, and he pauses. He's like. I think I might be having a problem. I love that mm -hmm. exchange. I love his exchange when he lays it all out with her about, like, he, you know, he... Um, Walks her through. Just decides to mm -hmm. just be like, I'm going to be honest with you, this is what's going on. And then, like, he's describing himself as a god. And he's just like, I'm not the god, but I'm a god. And it's like, what if... What a god, god might not be omniscient, he, uh, omnipresent. He just might be have been around for so long that he just kind of knows everything. Which I really <laughs> like that concept of it, too. Um... I don't know, like, it is just a really great uh, performance. And oddly, like, I don't, I wouldn't consider myself an Andy McDowell fan and other things. I don't think she's ever she's really... She's not like an A-lister. I think everybody knows that. She's never been as good as she's here. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, for whatever reason, it's the... She's got a, it's, 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 char you know, she's got a small town charm is kind of the, the play of the character, right? She just likes the small town and she's just so good, right? But I think that the sunniness of the character does work because you are slowly realizing that, like, this is what, this is the thing that is cracking Bill Murray. Like, he likes her because she is good. Mm -hmm. She's a good person who just doesn't care about anything other than like just being like she likes what she likes but then she's like okay with just being nice to people and yeah. that is a weird concept to him but he <laughs> likes it and he's attracted to it and so she's really good in that part and 
Yeah, I mean, even Chris Elliott, someone who I just struggle with on a lot of things because yes. he's just always doing like a little he's bit too much. Too much. Just like turn the volume down. This is a good part for him. He's just he's there to be a schlub, and he's a schlub. And it makes me think who's ever directing him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ramus is like. Like, cool it down. Like, this isn't your movie. I mean, he's the reason why I can't... I mean, you, you love Shit's Creek. Everybody loves Shit's Creek. I love everybody in Shit's Creek. But then I start watching it, and then the scene with Chris Elliott comes on. I'm just like, mm, I don't want to watch those anymore. I know. I have the same <laughs> feeling. I'm like, fast forward. Blech. Yeah, so... Um, Although he did like him in How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's kind of... Yeah, that's... I mean, it's a little bit much in some spots, but it's okay. But um, it's, it's... Yeah. Some other notable people in the movie... Uh, Rick uh, Ducommon I always forget how to say this guy we talked about this actor before when we did the burbs he was like one of the neighbor guys uh-huh. he's one of the drunks at the bar who ends up going on a joyride with him that's very uh, funny uh, even though it's I don't know making light of uh, <laughs> drinking and driving but um, he's good in it um, the guy at the, at the bed and breakfast uh, who always says like oh I'll have to see the groundhog that's um Ken Hudson Campbell. He is um, the Santa, the mallish Santa guy in Home Alone, and also he's like one of the guys in Armageddon. <laughs> I don't know how you can pull that. Like, did you just like know that, or did you look? No, I know that guy. Like, That's... I know that guy from Home Alone. I know who, that guy from Armageddon. Who are you? Yeah. Like, how do you know that, Tyler? And uh, yeah, and then Brian Doral Murray is the the mayor of the town. That's obviously Bill Murray's da- uh, brother, not dad. I was gonna say, but um, yeah. So, and then Stephen Toblowski, who has who's a great character actor and has understandably like ridden this <laughs> to great heights of kind of the B movie actor, uh, character actor, which is great. Um, he's really funny as this, the Ned Ryerson uh, character. I mean, everybody knows that he's funny as Ned Ryerson. Right. Uh, but the best part is when he just on day I think it's day four, just slugs him in the face. He goes, Ned Ryerson and just punches him. <laughs> Is that the best one? I think it is. Or is the best one when he gives him a long, creepy hug and freaks him out? Oh, the gay panic That's almost, one? I don't know if it's gay panic so much as gay panic. It's a little bit. I mean, it would be, to be fair, it would be very weird if someone you haven't seen in 20 years is just like embracing you for a long time on the street. Yep. Man or woman, it would be weird. And was like, man, I've been thinking about you. Do you have like the afternoon to catch up? Yeah. I love it. It's a little, a little bit reverse coming psychology. out a little strong, yeah. Yeah, oh, works. Funny. It works though. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, what a, what were you going to say? Because you were you did some diving into. There's been a lot of discussion of how much time he spends in the loop. Why is that important? Yeah, um, let's talk about that. Yeah. Here's what I'll say. I was looking it up and I was sharing it with you, and then you were a jerk to me for interrupting you during the movie, and then I got mad at you, and that's one of the reasons we didn't finish the movie on time because you were a butthead to me. Oh, you were you were interrupting a good part. I was like, I was like, oh, and then this is another reason that, the, and then you add this many days, and then he learns to play piano, and then he learns the hat trick, and I was sharing all the fun stuff I was reading about, and then you were a jerk. You gave me a funky look. That's what the podcast is for. Share that information for when we're talking right here. I wanted to share it with you in the moment, and then you were a jerk, because you were like, don't interrupt my beloved movie. I disagree with this assessment. <laughs> but that did happen. I disagree with the assessment of the conversation. What? Which part? I just disagree with it. So, I didn't finish reading it, oh. so I don't have anything to share. <laughs> is that how that story goes? But essentially, right, yeah. the people on the internet... God bless the people on the internet who, mm-hmm. you know, gone through and tried to, like, determine how many days or years he was in it. 
Um, Harold Ramis said in, in the commentary on the D- the DVD that, uh, it was like 10 years or something like that. Mm-hmm. He makes some comment, but then later kind of says, well, God, it would have to be longer than 10 years. So someone went through and calculated, okay, well, based on What's what we see on, on screen, screen yeah. what we see is referenced, mm-hmm. like the five times that he died, like, oh, I've died by knife by this. Some by of them that, we didn't see, right? Yeah, some of them you didn't see. His comment about like learning to flick cards into the hat takes, you know, s- six months if you go six days, six hours a day for six months. That seems like a little bit excessive, but all right. <laughs> and it, that's what he said, though, right? Bill Murray did in the in the movie. Okay, that was yeah. a line. Well, right, yeah, I know. He, he goes, said yeah. That. Because she goes, oh, man, it would take you forever to learn this. And he goes, yeah, six right. months if you took go six hours a day or something like that. Well, he could have been joking. We never never know with you that guy. You never know. You so, never know with him. Anyway, c- calculating all that out is like 30 years. Yeah. Um, this is the kind of stuff that um, I'm a little bit weird. Because I know that this is a fun article that a lot of people like to look at. And and, and I, I'm always just like, someone asked me how long, I think, I feel like I've been asked this. Like, how long do you think it is? And I'm just like, it's as exact, it's as, it's as long, it's exactly precisely as long as it needs to be for him to break out of it. Like, yeah. that's all that matters to me. Um, that he, he, he spends the time in the loop until he's not. Um, it doesn't, you know, I think unlike a lot of other time loop type movies, there's usually like either something they have to do specifically to get out like a, solve your murder for happy death day or whatever yes. like stop that um palm springs is a very takes a very different approach um most of the hallmark movies don't even really care to really explain what they're trying to do but i think the magic of groundhog day is that he embraces the whole point is to for him is to embrace and to maximize his day so that it doesn't matter if he has to repeat it again like it's just good like, yeah, he's done something good. He feels good about what he's doing. He's enjoying it. He enjoys the people. He has genuine connection with people. It doesn't. Act, it's not about winning or breaking the system anymore for no. him. He is just embracing it. Yeah, and that's exactly when he gets out is when he's fully and one hundred percent embraced it. And he's inspired by her by to do that, right? Absolutely. They're, they're laying in bed and they're having a conversation the day that he walks her through what he's going through, and he's yeah. saying how it's like a curse, and she's saying like, I don't think it would be a curse. I think it'd be kind of a blessing. Like, you get to just like live in this day. You can literally make the best of this day. Yeah, I think he really that's the the turning point for him. I think so, and I, I so that's why it never really. It, I, that's what's so smart about it, and I, and, you know, and I've I've seen the the, the philosophical arguments and conversations about it, and you know, there's some discussion of like him going. The movie is essentially him going through the stages of grief a little bit. You know, he's got to go through a denial and accept, you know, all the way up to acceptance, right? And you know, you get this journey because and some of it's really powerful and i think that's another this is kind of all on right around the same turn where he kind of fails the leveling of you know wooing the girl this is kind of when he starts to you know kill himself a bunch of times which is starts off funny right he steals this groundhog uh they go off over a cliff very like thelma and louise right um but then we get a lot of just this uh uh death is that what happened i can't even now i'm confusing myself he the, that's the first like death we see of him, right? Which is one? when he drives off the cliff, or do we see ones before that? Nope, that's the first one. But I mean, I think that that little montage is pretty um, heavy, um, and the movie knows to just let that be kind of sad that he is, and not that he's d- dead, but I just think that it's just the sad thing where he he doesn't care, you know what I mean? And it's just uh, depicted really well, and then also that connection where he 
and this is only surprisingly only done in like two two they only really show it twice like he tries to uh help the the homeless man brings him to the hospital he dies decides to not bring him to the hospital and just go have a meal with him and he dies outside and he struggles with uh you know I, those are just really powerful scenes in terms of just kind of the arc of the of what he needs to come to terms with about this day so i like that it this movie allows itself to let go of the comedy enough because you always still have bill murray he's there um and he you know he's a guy that's why i thought it was oddly you played the trailer or the tv spot here where it it's kind of played as a gag where it's like i've uh i've been stabbed shot blah 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 right i mean it's funny because Bill Murray is very good at playing funny on many different sides. He can be yeah. very morbid. He can be an asshole. He can be goofy and fun and charming. Um, that's a part of these kind of just like, it's very morbid. It's kind of like, it's funny line, but it's still sad. Like he's at the end of his rope essentially. So I don't know. It's a good movie. It's perfect. It is. A, it is. It is. Except for the part you find irritating, which irritates me. I don't find it's bad. <laughs> I just find as a viewer, I'm irritated. Uh, sure. And that's okay. Um, one thing that I find unbelievable, but maybe it's like a joke on this, okay. is that um, he's like popular because he's a weatherman, but he's also like, is he supposed to be like attractive? Because Bill Murray's not. I think we can all agree that he's not like a hot guy. Uh, is there, what is there in the movie that suggests that people find him attractive? Well, he's always like, oh, I'm the, you know, from this channel. They're like, oh, we love you. They just, people just like people on TV. That is nothing I don't know that sexual. one lady, because there's the one scene where he, he, Gets the one gal. He goes after the one gal. They have an, a, a, a kind of a romantic night, but then he calls out Annie McDell's name, right? Yeah, um, but like she's super into him. I think that's just mostly the the Bill the Bill Murray charm. I don't okay. I, I don't think it has much to do with his like actual appearance so much as just like he's charming. And by the way, he know he he's wooed her based on information, just like he does with with Annie McDowell. The difference is is that you know. That lady of on that particular day wasn't interested in finding a soulmate so much as Andy McDowell was only really going to be romantically involved unless like the right thing came along. Whereas yeah. that lady, you know, she just wants to get some. That's some cool. Days you just want to get some. So if you get enough information where someone's really into you, you're like, all right, let's do it. It's been a cold winter. A Got cold six more winter. weeks of winter. <laughs> I mean, she even kind of considers uh, talking to Chris Elliott for a little while there, but then she correctly steers away from that at the end. Yeah, which is my favorite parts of the the movie where. He's just getting dogged on. That's your on. favorite part. You yeah, say that about every on. scene. This is my favorite just part. getting dogged on. Um, no, I think I was going to say he's also like a really cocky, overconfident weatherman. Because, you know, weather... Here's the thing. I don't think he's like a meteorologist. Do you think he's a meteorologist or more of like a broadcast journalist who uh, like does the weather and wants to do... He's a weatherman. Things? Okay, I know, but like that doesn't necessarily mean like he knows what he's talking about when he... Because he's so confident about the storm not coming... He's like, oh, no, he's no, like, no, oh, it's not going to start. The east and the... Oh, he's so confident of, like, storm approaching. And there's people talking. It's like, oh, I heard I have a blizzard. He's like, no. Who... What kind of weatherman, like, sees a model and is just like, hmm, the clouds are moving this way. Everybody else is saying, like, that's going to keep coming. Well, it's 93. I don't and you're know just how like, the models were. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's going to push on down this way. I don't know. I just don't know. He's very confident for a guy who was very wrong about the weather. And it doesn't seem like you should be... Like, especially nowadays, you don't see weather people on TV, like, making big de- declarations. Like, usually when it's going to snow, like, well, we're going to have a chance of snow tomorrow. One to three inches. Uh, eh, 50% chance. <laughs> like, it's never, like, no one's ever confident anymore, you know what I mean? That's true. So they, because they don't want people to be like, ah, oh, you lied about it or whatever. But, I don't know. He's very confident as a weatherman. The other thing that I was thinking about, 
I thought it was a flaw. Uh, was there's the day is it's day three or four where he is rushing through, uh, doesn't have the conversation with the bed and breakfast lady, uh, doesn't have a conversation with uh, Armageddon guy, and is rushing and still seems to run into Ned Ryerson at the exact same yep. place in the exact same location and time. And I thought like, well, he rushed through it all. Yep. And then I just thought to myself, well. On a day where he's very frustrated, maybe he took a little bit longer to get out of bed. And so he's just doing it a little bit later. And therefore, he's lining up at that same time. Thoughts? I I don't know. I don't think it matters. It doesn't matter, and that's the point. It because doesn't matter. Because in movies that are great, uh, little flaws can be washed away. Because it doesn't matter. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to talk about in terms of this movie other than it being great? I mean, I was worried that this uh, episode would just be a big circle jerk where you're just like, oh, yeah. Isn't that what I'm doing? Oh, yeah. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. What's bad about this movie? Oh, you know, here's... I was looking at this real quick. Um, One thing I wanted to mention was that uh, when um, Andy McDowell buys him in the auction, it's for Mm $339.88. It's all the money in exchange. Uh, Chris Elliott goes for 25 cents. And the old lady's delivery of this is like, I got him, which I think is great. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the part I was going to say. What I love about the last day where he's just like, the, you know, he's helping saving the mayor with the stake in the throat. He's catching the kid. Another great line of like, you have never thanked me. Like, I love Not that. Not once. Not once. You thanked me. Um, you know, he's playing amazing piano and, you know, doing all these things. Help the, the young couple realize they're going to get married. One of half of which is Michael Shannon. <laughs> You know, yes. weird, which I, that was the first time I noticed that after you made mention of it. I was like, who, what, whoa, that guy looked familiar. Who yeah. was that? You're like, that so guy's fast. a weird looking dude. And I was like, oh yeah, well, here's Michael Shannon for you. Um, no, what I love about it is it's, he's the same guy in a lot of ways. Yes. He's confident and cocky and he's kind of like, he's got a little bit of the assholiness even when he's like ribbing the, the, the townsfolk a little bit. He, he's still that guy. It's just like the best version of that guy. And that's what I love too. He's not like an, he's not a saint. He's not someone who's like perfect or is like altruistic. He's still the same guy he was. He's just like learning to, you know, he appreciated life. He appreciates the people around him. He can be a little bit acerbic and, and, and jokey and assholey because that's, we like that about him. We like that charm. And so yeah. I like how the movie is like allows him to still be that person. He's a better film, not a different film. Exactly. That's what Roger Ebert said. It wasn't me. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's right. a smart way of saying it. You're so smart well, though. That's totally smart. You made a note that he, you, there's two reviews. There's a review, he reviewed yeah. it originally, gave it what, three stars? Yeah. So here he reviewed it in 1993 when it came out and then he came back in 2005 and reviewed it again. And gave it four stars. He, Ebert, you would do uh, a, a columns called Great Movies. He would go and do, uh, add them into his Great Movies. Uh, you know, he wrote several books. But, um, yeah, it's a reassessment, which is good. I think yeah. a lot of people ended up reassessing this. That's another thing that's interesting. It's like um, how movies evolve and turn into classics. This is one that definitely yeah. has. Like, it, it was well-reviewed, but not like... You know, certainly wasn't winning Oscars in 1993. Yep. Um, but now, I mean, it's one of the movies you think about in 93, you know? Yep, this I mean, is really. what he said. Certainly I underrated it in my original review. I enjoyed it so easily that I was seduced into cheerful moderation. Mm. But there are a few films, and this is one of them, that burrow into our memories and become reference points. When you find yourself needing the phrase, this is like Groundhog Day, to explain how you feel, a movie has accomplished something. And I think one of the reasons I wanted to watch it this year was because this year, as we've seen in 
cultural references and in meetings and with our friends has been a fucking Groundhog Day where we are stuck in a loop. And not very many movies can you just say the title and have a shared common, you know, agreement on what that means. It means Mm -hmm. you're stuck in a fucking rut in a loop that you just kind of want to kill yourself a little sometimes. But on the flip side, like, can we turn this into something like... Can it be good? Can Can it be be something? Can I become a better Angela during this quarantine? And that's what a lot of the ripoffs and things that are like, like I said, the Hallmark movie channel are the ones that they got to do one of these type of scenarios in every year, right? They get wrong. They get the, the, it's terrible, but there's also something great about it. Not just learning a lesson or whatever. Um, Palm Springs is a different kind of movie, which is why I appreciate it. It's this romance uh, kind of between two people who are both stuck in something and one's been in there much longer than the other. Much longer. And they also take a very uh, scientific approach to the problem. Um, well, one character does. One does. And, and yeah. but so, I mean, I, what I appreciate about that one is that it, it, it had the, it had, it knew that it had to be different than Groundhog Day in, in key ways and it had to be its own thing and it had to be character focused and story focused and it had to have an arc for these people. And that's why that movie, while still, I mean, let's be honest, it's still a derivative of Groundhog's Day. Yes. It's it's relying on your love of Groundhog Day yes. to to get you in the right frame of mind to enjoy it and to have it because it's still a comedy, right? But and I I think Happy Death Day does this too. Like it knows that it needs. I mean, to a lesser degree, I think that movie is more fun than than like revelatory. But it knows what it needs to do, and it knows how to use that premise to do its own thing as well. So. But it's it's fascinating because it's like a it's such a very specific plot that we have now have a subgenre of, yep. right? Yeah. And to the point where we almost don't like it when it comes up. I was like, Oh god, this is another groundhog day scenario. I was like, we don't have that many movies like this. Like romantic comedies have the same like there's millions of the same premise, right? Yep. Like Hallmark I, I don't know why I get I see I'm guilty of this too. I'm singling out like the the Hallmark Christmas ones of Groundhog Day rather than like that's one every year they'll have. Well meanwhile they have twenty of the one where the mom lost her husband, and she's dating someone, and the kid... I mean, it's the same mom fucking died. movie. It's <laughs> yeah. the same fucking movie. And, and, you know, that one we can... No one has a problem with watching the same shit over and over in that. Because Groundhog Day set the bar. That's true. It's like, so now, if, if you have something where you're just constantly comparing it to the original... It's you're always gonna come down lesser than, and you gotta be it's you gotta be careful, right? It's not you, you, it's easy to stumble. Like it's you know you you're you're ref, you're referencing and you're being revelatory to something that is beloved. So when you don't play that right, it crumbles faster and people get alienated and angry about it. So yes, yeah, it's such a fun movie to watch though. Yeah, it's great. I think you love me because I'm the Annie McDowell and you're the Bill Murray. Oh, you're so altruistic. I'm so good. You decided to bring up some kind of non-grievance when we watched it, just so you could try to score, like, I don't know what, just just abusive points toward me. I'm just sharing my Oh, you're sharing, yeah. Yeah, just keeping it real. Trying to make me a reality podcast. Right, I know, but it's not, okay. (laughs) Come on, you know you're the Bill Murray. Oh, yeah, but... Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, between the two of us... Actually, no, I'm not so sure. (laughs) I mean, I wrote what I wrote and what I remember, because I think I relate... I think... I think... 
I relate to the Bill Murray character. And if you don't relate to the Bill Murray character, yeah, you're not my kind of person. Well, I mean, let's be honest. Like, if you were to go to a small town like that and you had to do this and people are being all chipper and weird about, like, a groundhog, I don't know. If you're not in the right mood, like, fuck all that. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. Like, I get that attitude a little bit. Yes. A little bit, right? Like, yes. it's just like, I don't want to deal with this. Look at all these people. God, yes. no. Look at all these people. For, um, I, you know, me, I'm just like, oh, it's like a big crowd. It's like flu season. Like, this is even, I would think that before, like, pandemic. I'm just like, oh, there's too many people around here. <laughs> <laughs> watch it from TV. We yeah. watched it, well, we didn't watch it live, but uh, they did the Groundhog Day on TV. We didn't watch it live. We just watched clips I said we on, didn't watch on, it late, live. on late night TV. I found it odd. It was like a lot of guys and the Groundhog. And like, I don't, what's the, what's the point of like... Five guys out of ten wearing masks, and the other guys just breathing all over each other. <laughs> well, this is not about that. But I'm just wondering, what, like, what... <laughs> stop, Devin. What I love about Groundhog Day is how you can relate to it. So it's... I feel like it's it's an easy movie to just sit in the seat and be like, God, what would I do? It's fun to fantasize. It's kind of like when you're like, hey, what would you do with this superpower? It's like, oh, what would I do if I woke up every day? What would you do, Tyler? Probably a lot. What would be on your list of things you would do? What do you mean? I would literally do everything because you would have the opportunity to do everything. Like what? Everything. Like what would you do first? Oh, I mean, you know. How would you spend your time? What are you you up to in this world? (laughs) In ground? In specifically this world? Yes. Specifically this world. You know what the most part I related to that he did was like eating just a fuck ton of like diner food. (laughs) Just like donuts and pie. Even though like later in the day, like the back half of that day is going to be one of the worst ones. I'm sitting on the toilet a lot. But man alive. He could just be like, who cares? Yeah, you're not getting fat. You're going to wake up the next day exactly. Like how many pancakes can I eat? (laughs) So I feel like. I feel like it's fun because you you can you know the he for a while just does all the sinful things right yeah all he steals some money he buys oh, yeah, a new he car yeah he just pulls it right out of the yeah he buys a I car I mean like you're gonna be committing like I think this is where the philosophy of it comes in uh, not a piece of it it's like if you could basically do anything without any consequences assuming you what do you well, do you know assume it wouldn't be that bad honestly assuming you have like a library or like a video store like. You could just you could do a lot of like, oh Tyler's going through every video game available. Yeah, just like you know, how many years do you spend doing that? I don't know. You spend God. a lot of time. You could. There's so much thing. Like as long as you had access to it, especially if it was happening now and we have internet. Like there's just like there's no consequence of what you like purchase digitally online or whatever. Like it's fine. You could read a book that way, or you'd have an infinite amount. Of, I mean, you'd have a lot. You could just do just hanging out, right? Yeah. You wouldn't actually have to make a commitment on like doing something substantive. Yeah. You know what I would you do? You could be, you could goodwill hunting the fuck out of it, though. You could learn yes. about advanced theory and shit like that. Go down to the bar and be like, ah, how about them apples? Exactly. <laughs> One thing I would do is I would break into people's houses and snoop through their shit. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it would be so I mean, you're gonna, you're gonna end a few of those days getting shot in the face. That's with, fine. But, you know. But, like, what, in what scenario in your life could you spy on people and like get to know like, are you gonna go down to the, the the freaking shower room too and spy on people too Jesus. i mean probably one day <laughs> you're a villain is <laughs> you is, would never get out of the loop because you're a bad person <laughs> i don't feel like sneaking into people's stuff would be a villainous thing to do Just peeping them in the shower would be <laughs> i mean it depends on it's who. not porkies anymore you can't be doing that <laughs> <laughs> I would also get like really good at like basketball or something. 
<laughs> just keep shitting. Well, okay, here's a question. Mm-hmm. Here's a question for you. Can you get better at a sport if you wake up back in your old body? No. That's, you know, that's interesting. Is it in your mind that you're getting a your skill? Mi- well, your mind is there, but yeah, your bo- your your body's returning to its original state. So you're state. not working out, because fuck that, you're not going to Oh, there's no stronger. point. But you could do skill-based things, sure. Like make, shooting a basket, you could figure so, that but out. So what about, is the muscle memory thing a thing? Uh, that's muscle memory. I no because you think I you could just learn. I think shooting a basket is. In I mean, for me, I you know I spent a lot of my younger years shooting a basketball. Yeah. I felt like it was less my hand. I mean, it was more about what I had to think about to make the shot. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it, that you could improve on that without necessarily your muscles mm-hmm. getting better or different. You, you're not going to be able to like necessarily I guess it's run the same a marathon, as piano, right? Yeah, he learned piano. Yeah, I bet his fucking hands felt tired at the, after that performance, though, because he's only had the same muscles from previously before. He's never used those. Exactly. It's a strength. So, he, yeah. I mean, he played the one song. He got the fuck off the, off the stage. I mean, that was good. Mm-hmm. Smart. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, you couldn't. I don't think you could run a marathon, necessarily. Are there any crimes that you would commit? Well, I mean, get money and then go spend get shit. Get money, get paid. Get money, get paid. I would, like, want to start some some buildings on fire that, like, didn't have any people in it. Wow. I don't know. It just sounds fun. Starting stuff on fire. Jeez. Not to kill people, just to burn stuff. Wow. It's not good. <laughs> don't you ever worry about, like, uh, you know... What if it gets worse if the more worse shit you do? <laughs> what if you commit the most horrendous crime oh. and that's the day you fucking wake up? That's a Groundhog movie plot I wouldn't mind seeing. Oh, that was my other theory. Yeah, okay, that's good. Because the other thought I had, and we should say that this is all our, don't steal our ideas if we ever decide to yeah, write this. This is copyrighted one. shit, people. Copyrighted shit. I like that idea. Yeah, you wake up on the day that was like the fucking, oh shit, like, you I got like a- <laughs> six hookers in your bed. It's a bunch of money Killed you stole. Some people on accident. Oh, like, oh shit, this is the, not the day to get out of the time loop. Yeah. But the other idea that I had was like, once you get out of the time loop, you have aged the amount of time that you're in there. Oh, that's terrible, because you would die, probably. So you're like, you know, old-ass Bill Murray is like just like wrinkly and stuff. Like, that'd be a premise. Do you feel like Bill... I agree. Do you yeah. feel like he would have regret after it ends? Do you think you would miss no. the loop? No, I think that, it, like I said, in this particular scenario, in this particular movie, he gets out of the loop exactly when he needs to get out when of the loop. When he's ready. When he's actually ready, when he's actually learn to embrace the day and then yeah. he decides that he wants to stay there that's fine and like i think you'd be happy like he is happy he's like it's been a long day um but it you know i th- no i think that um i think he's ready to get out you think he'd miss it though a little bit i feel like if you're doing no. something 40 years not in, in a row yes you're in like okay it. in real life in other movies yes but in this movie mm-hmm. he is out like i said it doesn't matter to me how long he was in he's out exactly when he needs to get out mm-hmm. and he's lived it exactly the amount of time that he needs to live it because that's what it is. That's Groundhog Day. Yeah. It's a fun movie. Yep. It's also great. Yeah. Okay. I don't have anything else to say. Okay. Do that's you? Fine. No. I'm glad we had something to talk about other than I'm sure it was a lot of circle jerk of me being like, this movie is great. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of that. What? It, that's what? what circle jerks sound like. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I thought it sounded like this. <laughs> <laughs> My mom listens to this podcast. You beatboxing over there? No, it was a a wetness. (laughs) You want me to describe it? (laughs) How many times do you think you jerked off? How many times have I been in a circle jerk? uh, (laughs) What now? How many days did he just spend in his bed jerking it? 
Oh my god. Because that's probably at least a couple of years. Not in a row, but would, just okay, like would, every two or three Since you days. were in the loop, would you go and like go on top of the roof of that bed and breakfast and just jerk it right there? I don't have a penis, so it's less <laughs> exciting if I just go on top of a roof and masturbate. It's cold. But like, yeah, I'd be pushing some limits of morality. There's probably some porn vit- Groundhog Day things that are out there that we could probably should we could have investigated, but maybe I'm, I'm not interested in Groundhog Day porn. Well, it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> like what is that? Like when you say that, what are you? No, thinking? I just know that they make a lot of parodies and things like that in porn that they used to anyway. Like wh- I'm sure there's been a Groundhog Day porn, don't you think? Where, where, what? Like what do you, what do you, what's, what are you envisioning? I don't know. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Let's leave Same it person comes Shouldn't in like, leave hey, a little mystery. leave a little mystery. Yeah. All right, guys, this is divulged, which it usually does on here. Um, How many circle jerks you've been part of? Just with you, baby. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How about you? Oh, I'm not answering that. Oh. Okay. <laughs> well, on that awkward note, guys, thanks for listening. What is your definition of a circle jerk? Like, what's a circle to you? Is it three people, four people? I mean, I guess it depends on. I'm, I, it's not I, okay. It's got to be more than three because three would be a circle. Triangle tri- would yeah. be a, would be a triangle jerk. Triangle jerk. And we're not into triangle jerks. Four would be a triangle or would be a, a square jerk. Yeah. So I feel like you got to at least get five. Five mm. for a, a proper <laughs> circle jerk. Yeah, probably. <laughs> oh my god! I hope nobody I know listens. This to is this how podcast. the Groundhog Day episode ended. <laughs> talk of a circle jerk okay guys thanks for listening this has been an episode of old millennials remember movies old millennials remember circle jerk groundhog day from 1993 (laughs) is fabulous and go check out all the other movies we recommended at the beginning of the podcast oh only only recommended half of them but yeah yeah a couple that's enough (laughs) all right guys that big time recommendation of 1998's enemy of the state (laughs) go watch enemy of the state although you said it was going off of hbo max so oh it's not on there anymore (laughs) i could fucking borrow my dvd i guess (laughs) (laughs) all right people we will talk at you another movie (laughs) (laughs) that's what you go